In this episode, we're talking about why we hate the word teacher. But before we start, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land in which this podcast is recorded, the Kabi Kabi and the Gubby Gubby people. We honour their song lines and storylines and pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. We would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which you are listening to this podcast. Welcome to Raising Wildlings, a podcast about parenting, alternative education stepping into the wilderness however that looks with your family each week we'll be interviewing experts that truly inspire us to answer your parenting and education questions we'll also be sharing stories from some incredible families that took the leap and are taking the road less traveled we're your hosts vicky and nikki from wildlings forest school pop in your headphones settle in join us on this next adventure. Hello and welcome to the Raising Wildlings podcast where your host Nikki Farrell and Vicky Oliver and today we're talking about why we hate the word teacher. Tell me all about it Vic. Can I also <laughs> throw in the word pedagogy? Oh <laughs> uh, uh, you know oh, the look. things that yeah. give you the ick? Yeah. That's one of them. This is a personal personal um, opinions that Nikki and I both share. Don't really <laughs> love the word pedagogy. Um and also have really come to dislike the word teacher to describe the role that we think that adults should play in the lives of children um, in order to best serve them. Do you want to tell us a little bit about, because I've heard these stories before personally, Mm -hmm. but I think people would be really interested to know, what did the word teacher mean to you when you were at university? Mm, it's funny. I, I don't know that I really thought about it too much then, but now I, when I reflect on what I think I was thinking at the time, uh, as much as I definitely considered myself an ally to children and I was there for the children, like that like literally was my purpose, um, you really can't escape the fact that it comes from an authoritarian place. I'm grading them. I'm having to tell them what to do. They have to do what I say. Definitely not do as I do a lot of the time. Um, mm, and behavioralism, isn't it? Yeah, and like you know, a lot of it is behavior management because it it's just the situation. Teachers are under resourced. They're overworked. They have busy schedules. Uh, sometimes you just got to make things happen. You have a lot of kids. No matter what the cost is, you've got a lot of kids to You've got to get through the work yeah. as well. Uh, and you're accountable to the curriculum. And I just feel like it was all about me imparting the knowledge. Like I was very proud of being able to show children the world, like, you know, Mm. I can show you all these fascinating things about science and I can be the one that makes you love maths. And let's be honest, I didn't really succeed in that because it's a very, very (laughs) difficult job. Um, That's what my aim was. But at the end of the day, uh, if I was truly living within those values, I would have done things very differently, but I would have been working against a system and I just wasn't that type of person to push against that at the time. And I don't see myself as that now, like after starting a business and still working with just children in a capacity to sometimes share knowledge and sometimes um, hold other roles it's it's different now but it's when you're asked yeah it's not assumed yeah. that we're the vessel and I guess that's going to impact yeah, if I reflect on um, being a student I definitely had teachers that made me feel more seen than others 
Yeah, 100%. And I actually have... Again, there's brilliant teachers still working in... Always. I know. So, and, it, and again, it's not. This is not about teachers personally. This is about working in a system that makes it very difficult to achieve what we actually set out to achieve. But I had two teachers um, in high school that I remember. One I absolutely adored, and the second I didn't. But now, when I reflect back, I actually think that they were such a brilliant teacher, and I wish I'd recognised that a little bit more at the time. My first one was my science teacher, which is probably a huge reason why I loved and when why I went into the sciences because give him a shout out what's that Mr Young oh he was so brilliant I just I think he was probably the most adored teacher at my school and he just had a way like we were always always bring a skipping rope in and he would ask us questions and he made it fun and playful and he'd take us outside to show us you know the real world when we're doing biology we we're out there looking at the bees and you know, would be doing stuff about flowers. I can just, I remember just feeling like he was the most beautiful man and he deeply cared about us and he always had a smile on our face and he mm. very rarely showed anger and he was just always, I guess the way he asked questions too was always more of a what do you think? Um, and he was always gentle and kind about giving us information or, or like letting us down gently if we were wrong or, <laughs> um, and I just adored him so much. Uh, still, I think my sister's the same. She adored him. Like we were just so lucky that I got him all the way through every year for science. I just. Because she went into science too. She did. Absolutely. So um, he was just phenomenal. And then the other teacher I had was a drama teacher and he came in as a, um, as a substitute and we all loved our drama teachers. And I think drama teachers generally tend to be that way anyway. Um, but he was, he just tried to relate to us. And I think that's why we didn't like him at the time. He tried to relate to us on so much more of a personal level, um, that we weren't used to it. And so we pushed back a little bit against him. Mm. We're like, who is this person that's trying to make us feel seen? We don't want that. Like, that's not what we're used to. And now when I think back on, on his influence. I'm like, wow, he was actually a really great teacher. And he said the nicest things to me when he left. Um, he, and, and I just think they're the types of pe- people who weren't just teachers. They were something much, much more. Do you have a, a story of a teacher that made you feel the same way? Yeah. I, I had, was really lucky to have some really great teachers but they were teachers. They had to. They had to be teachers. So I think that I now find it really hard. I had a great teacher, Mr Hillman, um, who's a maths teacher. I hated maths, hated it, hated it, hated it. And he was the only one that would sit down with all, it wasn't just me, with the whole class and really break down mm. how it would be really important to us and how we would use it in everyday, like, layman's terms, life and I still didn't love it, but just the fact that he would say, I know this can be hard and I know that this can be frustrating and I know this is boring for you and I know that you don't love it. And, again, just feeling seen. Mm. He would also play share. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he brought in music and fun and games and he made maths as fun as he possibly could. So that was cool. But for me, the definition that I would love to see our teachers rename to is, is mentors. Like we're not the be all and end yeah. all. And I, th- I think there's lots of reasons for that, you know, because mm. we're co-learners and that's the big difference, I think, between yeah. the word teacher, which is impart knowledge, and mentor, which I feel means 
to learn alongside and to guide. Yeah. My outdoor rec instructors, they were called, but I would call them mentors, were phenomenal. You know, Dave and Rod, big shout out to them. They're probably still hiking. You know, Dave used to kayak the Bass Strait, for God's mm. sake. Like, he'd be like, oh, I'm off for the week. We're like, oh, we're off to. I'm just hiking the Bass <laughs> just, Strait. You know, just going a bit across the Bass <laughs> Oh, yeah, cool. That's cool. Um, I still can't roll my kayak. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> But he would be there, you know, um, and he was really honest. We had a couple of hairy situations, as you do when you're taking 25 young adults on snow trips and all these other things. And he would say, this is new to me too, guys, so let's work together on this. And it was like, how can we solve this problem or what would you do in this situation? And it was never a right or wrong. It was always a debrief and always yeah. it's not a mistake, it's a learning yeah. experience. So, and uh, do you know I'd love to see that? That was the difference. That leap from school to TAFE for me was like, this is how, this is what it can be like. And even then it was still, it's not authoritarian, but, you know, it's still assessment and graded. So there's still, I'd love to get rid of that. But as far as that mentorship and that relationship building, it was great. And I think that's the big shift away from wanting to be the teacher so that you get the right answer to Mm. um, what do we get out of this learning experience? We're not teaching just knowledge it's about experiential learning it's learning because it's based on their lived experience that I think that adults because we do come with our biases our lived experience and all of those things we need to be mindful that we're just advising and sharing what we know to maybe help inform some of their decision making or different ways of thinking um so that they grow together and come to their own conclusions rather than come to a fixed conclusion with the right answer all the yeah, time. Yeah, because they come from a different generation and different lenses mm. and different perspectives. So our lens, while we might have all the experience in the world, it might not match this next generation coming yeah. through too and, and their lived experience. So we can't be the null be-alls because we don't know what they're living through right now that's right and it's so hard and it's very easy for us to say here's the shortcomings and this is what we should be to change that within the system as currently is now would mean massive shifts like massive restructuring of how everything goes so I understand that it's not like you know education has to make small changes bit by bit to actually well maybe it doesn't maybe it needs a radical shift I don't know I'm not here to answer that question and maybe it takes a tons of parents to start making different choices like we're talking did. about grading yeah. and testing. We opted and, out. Yeah. yeah. So my solution to that is I yeah. opted out. Um but <laughs> and 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 it, from that experience, I guess we do have that conversation about what's it like to teach your child? What do you teach them at home? And um I don't like to be seen like that. I learn alongside my children, no. they learn. They're not taught. They learn from so many different places. They learn within themselves. They learn from observing me. They learn from asking me direct questions. They learn sometimes from me trying to teach them. Sometimes they don't learn that at all. So it's it's this co-learning. And also, I guess, you don't need to know all the answers. You just need to know how to find the answers or how to go on a quest to look for the answers. And I think that's the definition of mentorship is it's that, like you said, we're not home pedagogists and we're not people just assume because we teach, oh, you're a teacher, you're homeschooling. I don't teach my kids jack. 
like every now and they'll come to me and ask for a direct answer but more often than not they'll be like mum I want to learn blah and I'm like okay we'll find a person or a class or a I can sit with you and help you google or a program or a software or a book or a blah blah it's not us directly filling that pail Mm. so yeah it's that shared responsibility and looking out for each other I learn probably more from them from their learnings like I can't call myself a teacher they're my best teachers every day Uh, 100% yeah absolutely I'm in awe of my kids and what they've what they learn um Mm. Without our help. (laughs) Yeah, without our help, without having to say they've been taught. And the other really big aspect of that, the crossover with the homeschooling but also just reframing the role of an adult or anyone with a a learner is that mutual respect. Mm. And whilst that occurs in teacher-student relationships, there it's... Even though I thought of myself as a very respectful person and a very respectful teacher, it wasn't always mutual. Same. It wasn't always mutual because I'm in a position of authority and I have to stamp that authority. Yeah. There's a huge power imbalance no matter how respectful you are and how much you care about their mm. needs. When you need an assignment due and you're getting the head of department or the deputy saying, I need this, you know, you have they have to submit assessment. You have to make the phone call. You have to issue threats of detentions or, or, you know, like it's, yeah, it's very coercive. And it doesn't look at the individual child and and their circumstances and their learning styles. Like it's cookie cutter. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And and we're meeting the child where they are at when we are in a respectful relationship and we don't have to push beyond that, particularly in the way that we mentor children at forest school because we're not trying to meet a set of standards and criteria we are looking at the growth the children want to take within themselves um yeah I think that's what I love about the way that we're set up is that we're a village mm. and you know back in back in the day villages would take on an apprentice but they weren't the the teacher. They were they worked alongside yeah. them, and that's how they learned. And yes, they did impart direct knowledge, absolutely. But they worked directly alongside them because a village raises a child. That's right. Whereas I feel like in schools, it's a little bit less working alongside because we're not we're not doing the assignments no. with them. We're not grading, being graded alongside them. Well, actually, teachers are being graded based on NAPLAN results. But let's not make this a political podcast <laughs> yet. We'll save that for. <laughs> For another time, but it's May right now, and you can take your children out of that plan. FYI, just download yeah. the form. <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. I just think that village scenario and working alongside each other is is a great way to mentor each other. Yeah, and I think that if we ask adults honestly, what's the scenarios in which you're learning the most, or when did you learn the most, and mm. and they'll say that you know, or, or I wish I'd spent, for example, I wish I'd spent more time in the classroom while I was doing my teaching degree and less time learning theoretical things. Like you learn so much more by being there and experiencing it than by you know other ways like for us as well people come and do our courses whether that's our intro to fire or intro to hand tools or intro to rope or intro to bush kindy and they've done it all and they know we know they can do it we wouldn't let them go off into the world if we didn't think they could but they want to come learn from us on site 
alongside us. They want to be mentored by us. And so some of the best feedback we get is like, ah, it makes sense. I've come down to the forest. I've seen it all in action. I've been able to ask you questions alongside that were relevant to me because you met me where I was at. Mm -hmm. And I think it's amazing. And we do take volunteers. So if you ever need to see that in action and be mentored, please just hit us up. Yeah, absolutely. It's those moments that really shape students. Um, We don't remember classrooms. We remember the people um, and the way that they made us feel. Or that's more impactful. We might remember them, but the impact is far greater from the people and the feelings and the emotions they made us feel about ourselves and our capabilities rather than where we were. Mm. So every mentor has that ability to leave a legacy with the children in their community. Um, And the key is authenticity and meeting children where they're at. So to summarise, we don't hate teachers. We love (laughs) teachers. We love, love, love teachers. Please let us make that clear. We have problems with the system and we would love the system to change so that our teachers can become mentors. And by mentor, we mean person that acts as an advisor, someone that shares knowledge based on their lived experience, who works along their students. There's a mutual respect and there's this dynamic where people look after each other. Mm. It's within a village and we're meeting where kids are at. So that's our definition of a mentor versus a teacher, which is that more authoritarian Mm. figure. If you're a regular around here at Raising Wildlings, you'll know that we are all about the road less travelled. So if you're willing, wanting to fast track your role from teacher to mentor, um, we, we can help you with a bit of a roadmap and how to get there. So if you're someone that works with children, believe us when we say that starting your own age play business will lead you to some of your greatest mentoring moments, not just teaching moments. <laughs> yes. Ooh, nice one. Babe. Yeah. <laughs> but to get those moments, you're going to need to up your bootstraps and get to work so mm-hmm. we're here we're here to help we can guide you on those first important steps on your journey um, so you can join us for a free four-day challenge to start your own wildly successful nature play business and get you on the way to where you need to go to do that you can head to wildlingsforestschool.com forward slash wild dash business and you can join us for that free four-day challenge but That's the end of the episode today. So until next week, stay stay wild. wild.